Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for a radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in through online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could join us as well. We're excited to welcome back award-winning author Sharon T. Flake to our broadcast today. She's celebrating a brand-new book called Once in a Blue Moon. It's a book that I think readers of all ages will really appreciate. We'll talk to Sharon not only about what it's been like for her to continue continue to write books that entertain, but I think also teach us a thing or two, but also what was the inspiration for the new book, and of course, we'll let you all know how to be able to get it for yourself. Sharon, thank you again for the time. Really do appreciate you stopping back by. Always good to be with you, Cyrus. Hello, everybody. <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you for that. And you have a lot of readers here in Mississippi where we're on the radio side, Sharon, so I, I'm, I'm excited to be able to speak with you again. So I want to begin there, if you don't mind, because it is one of the interesting things about you and your career, because you have been able to write books, Sharon, that readers of all ages really appreciate and be able to see themselves in. What has that experience been like for you? I mean, people know you for the skin I'm in, but what has it been like for you to write these books and to have people continue to be able to be inspired by them? You know, it never gets old. Uh, I feel really grateful and thankful. I've, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but I've been on TikTok, and my name has shown up on some people's live feeds only for them to say, Sherry G. Flake, or text me later and say, oh, my God, I was walking in the park, and I saw you, and I didn't believe it. So it doesn't get old. I'm really thankful and grateful. You know, you have 30-year-olds who are having babies who buy the skin I'm in. I have fathers who email me because of books about girls and daughters, um, black people, whites, Asians. Um, the, one of my, the skin I'm in and the, um, the life I'm in got published about two years ago in Italy, so I'm getting letters from Italian kids too and grown-ups. So. Wow. Amazing. And it's not surprising, though, and we're going to get into Once in a Blue Moon. There's a lot in this book, uh, and we're going to talk around some of it, Sharon. But I think the interesting thing, and you just brought up a very good point, that regardless of the faces we may see on the cover of the book, these are some very universal themes that you address. So my question is, was that was that the goal for the beginning? Was it the goal that even though – there were characters you were creating that may look a certain way that even people who didn't look like them would be able to find something in the book for themselves. You know what? Not so much in the beginning. I don't think I thought about it a lot. I just wanted to tell stories about black kids um, mm -hmm. and mostly who live in the city because I'm a city girl myself, and I always just felt like um, we were amazing, um, uh, that young kids were resilient. Um, and that if we t if I told my story well, that was the best that I could do. My, I grew up in a family of storytellers, and a lot of young people are sitting home, and there's some grown-ups around the yakking and yakking, <laughs> yapping around them, and they're thinking, oh, my God, be quiet. But I was one of those people. I just listened to them, my mother, my grandmother, my uncles, my aunts, and I didn't think I would be a writer. But when I look back, I'm like, oh, my God, you guys are grooming me to tell stories. I think if wow. you tell a story well, they will come and they will look all sorts of ways. So that's sort of what I learned along my journey. 
I love that. I love that. I'm I'm a big field of dreams person myself too, Sharon. I, I have kind of built my career on that adage as well. And it is something that is fascinating. And I think too when it comes to once in a blue moon, uh, to kind of dive into it a bit, you have this character named James Henry, but this book is told in a different perspective, a different way, a different vibe as it were. How did you decide how you wanted to address James's story and tell his story? Well, James Henry is an 11-year-old boy in the uh, South in the 30s. Um, it's a book told in verse, so it's sort of a poetic format. And for those people who are turned off by poetry, don't be, it, you know, you'll like it. You really will. Mm-hmm. Here's, what, here's why I told that format. I was, um, I tell people I was struggling, um, stuck in my head as a writer for a while off and on. My friends don't believe it because I was still writing, but I wasn't writing as much. And when I I was reading a book in verse uh, by someone else, and I had gone to see a therapist or somebody because how do you get unstuck? How do I get out of my head? How do I keep thinking about stuff when I'm really an organic writer? And she taught, she told me how to do that. I came home one day and I started writing from uh, in a, a book in the format of a poetic verse. And I did that because I also thought, what if I can't write? a novel to this traditional way anymore. Um, I thought I would be too afraid, too nervous, because I had been for a while. And that's really why I chose the format, and I think it's perfect for James Henry. It's interesting to hear you talk about being afraid. That's another connection with James Henry, actually. Uh, and I, I think it's so interesting uh, when you, you talk about your voice. I think that's another thing, of course, a connection with with James. So for those who may have read a book like The Skin I'm In, what was it like for you to have a a male main character then, Sharon, that you were able to connect with and to vibe with and share his story? Well, you know, Cyrus, uh, The Skin I'm In is about a dark-skinned girl who gets picked on, bullied, and has to find her voice. Um, but I have males in that book, too, and I have books right. that are just male protagonists as well. So it wasn't really that difficult or hard. It's sort of like something I can connect and tie into fairly easily. And for your audience, I would just say Once in the Blue Moon is about an 11-year-old boy who witnesses an accident. It's sort of involved in it in a way, but you don't really know how until it's the end. Um, the accident with his mom, who was quirky, she's an educator, the kind of woman that would go in trees and teach kids, that sort of thing. He has this amazing family, but after this situation, he decides to stay in the house other than to go to the outhouse and the roof because he feels like if I do that, like nothing bad will happen. But on the roof, there really is this sort of magical world. His sister has these crazy attack birds, you know, but they attack on will. Um, but they all sort of just, in an imaginary way, travel to different planets, travel to stars, go outside the universe, but also in a homemade sort of rocket ship. Uh, his sister Hattie is a twin and who just loves him madly and decides, hey, listen, in order for you to get past what's going on with you, you're going to have to go back to where your troubles began, to the lighthouse and under a blue moon. And that's sort of um, where the, the adventure began. But all along, you're seeing him and how smart he is and how afraid he is. He literally shakes um, and how anxious he is. And you asked about anxiousness. 
Um, it's kind of a weird thing because when I was writing it, I didn't make a connection to me or my family because there are a few of us that struggle with anxiety. Um, I'm not like James Henry. If you see me, you're not going to see me physically shaking or anything. But I've had many a conversations with students at schools over the years about my nervousness because in the beginning I would show up shaking a little bit when I would go speak to them or about the fact that I could be in my head and be anxious or go do a talk. And on the way to the talk, my brain is like, you're going to fail, you're going to mess up, you're going to, oh, you're going to fall apart. But once I sit there on the stage, you'll never know it, and I'm fine. But it's right, been a journey. Right. I've been at this 23 years, so it's been a journey. And I think that that in itself is encouraging for people, Sharon, because it lets them know that they're not by themselves, for one, but also it's something that other people can relate to as well. I'm going to say for those who are just tuning in, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome back award-winning author Sharon G. Flake to our broadcast. She's celebrating a brand-new book, Once in a Blue Moon. She just kind of gave the rundown of what you can kind of find with James Henry's journey at this totem birth. I want to focus on three things, though. Uh, Sharon, as we go throughout the rest of this conversation, the first thing is how you know you you mentioned his sister Hattie, and Hattie kind of stands out because Hattie is bold. Uh, Hattie is not someone who backs down, and we have to say the thing that makes this what everything that you said definitely is something readers will engage with. But there's also the issue of race that comes up in this book, dealing with prejudice. And there's one incident that you wrote about in the book where Hattie could have gotten into some trouble. Uh, because of her being so bold and not being one who cowered in front of people. What was it like for you to have that as another layer? Yes, we're dealing with what James Henry has been impacted by and how he's kind of working through that, but also he's dealing with the prejudices of people and seeing the way that people are are treated. Well, you know what? Um, It's in the 30s, so you're dealing with the Jim Crow South. Um, I wanted to focus on family. I wanted to focus on the young people in that world, and they stay in that world a good bit of time. But I, but they can't avoid that world, right? It sort of right. creeps in there. And so it's there. They can't avoid it. I wanted it to be more of a backdrop in the center of the story, although there are plenty of times and plenty of amazing books where it is centered, and it needs to be. So it's sort of that backdrop. I, you know, I, I just wanted Hattie to be – someone, or Hattie wanted herself to be, so I I sort of discover these characters and how they are as I go along. But Hattie has this amazing mother, right, who also is bold and and has decided that every child should be educated. Um, So she doesn't just stand up to white people or other people outside the race. She stands up to to one of the boys' fathers. She stands up to people in the church, right, Um, and she believes in science, right, and so she believes in truth. Um, and so Hattie, I think, can't but sort of walk in her mother's shoes in a way, even though you get to see that she has some struggles with her mother. Right? She's right. not all that. Yeah. She's she sort of, you know, you, you see over time the problems she has with basically having a quirky mother who seems strange and who seems odd. My God, you're in trees teaching and singing the ABCs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There is an interesting uh, back and forth, Sharon, I wanted to mention with Hattie and, of course, with with James Henry. And uh, I won't talk about the context of where this comes from, but I want to talk about, because you did make the connection uh, in some ways with James Henry, I want to talk about what that's been like for you in writing, where Hattie was basically where they're on this, I'll say, on this literal journey. I'll say it that way. 
and Hattie right. is saying basically to James Henry, keep going, don't stop. I, I thought that was so interesting because I thought there were so many different ways that that could be taken. Of course, at that point in the book, it was very literal. But what has that been like for you to have people whispering that to you, to kind of taking you by the hand and reminding you to keep going? You know, I think we all need somebody to say, keep going, you could do it. And here's what's interesting again. When I handed in a Once in the Blue Moon to my editor, like literally press send through the computer, I had a conversation with God, and it was simply, listen, you know, if this book doesn't sell, I'm not writing anymore. Well, I'll write, but I'm not going to try to get published anymore because it's all been too hard. I haven't been rejected. That wasn't the case. I already had editors, but just the writing process. So if I get rejected, God, that means you don't want me to do this, and I'm okay because I wrote the skin I'm in, and that's not the brag, but it sold like a million and a half books. So then I've done good work, hopefully, for children. And so so with with the book getting published, really, I took it as a sign from God that says, okay, don't stop. Keep going. Wow. Um, yeah. And just for myself, having to encourage myself, um, or sometimes when I would throw the pen down because I couldn't get the words, not with this book, but prior to this, and my daughter would say, you know, just keep going. You could do it. You could do it. Yeah. You know, and then all of my life because I'm – I've, I have struggled with anxiety, with a, a chatty brain, and I've had to say to myself, okay, keep going, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, or looking, because we live in an era with kids and the Internet, and you're looking at other people, and they're like, look like they're so far ahead of you. And the brain is so strange, because I've looked at people that are not career-wise further than me, but maybe they have a great video today, or maybe they have more, more um, a bigger audience, and you say, oh, my God, I want to be like them. And you have to say, right. well, wait a minute, wait a minute. So that whole comparison will also make you think, maybe I should stop, maybe I should give up, but don't. But it's your yeah. decision. But, but you know, rethink it and, 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 and keep going if you can. Such a great point. And it was such so wonderfully placed, I think, in the book as well, um, Sharon. And so when I got to that, I made a note and said, oh, you know what? To me, there's such a bigger message there than, well, you know, just – Sure. And it is a bigger message because what we haven't talked about is that I wrote this book because of my dad, who was 96, and something he said to me a few years ago when I asked him, what would you have done if you could have done anything in the world? And he said it would have been an astronomer. And my dad is, again, from the Jim Crow South. He dropped out of school in the eighth grade, but he does have – he was um, he had perfect recall. So he watched politics and science and read three newspapers a week and – like talked history. I mean, he really had this wonderful brain, and it surprised me because I, I wouldn't have thought astronomy. I would have thought something else. And so coming from the South with a lot of sort of a baggage or a lot of like things, the hindrances along the way um, right. that they all face from that generation, you know, they had to say to themselves, don't stop, keep going in a world that would say you don't belong, stop, you know, don't go any further, don't go in here, don't, 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 don't. Yeah, I think it's amazing that they were able to, in their heads, say as a collective group, "Don't stop now, keep going now. It's a, it's not that far now. It's something we all need to remember now, today, no matter what our background is. Keep going." Right. I think that's it, and I think too remembering um, 
I think there are so many other great things in here. And as we talk, and I don't want to get too much into the mother in the book, but I do want to talk about just one thing, uh, Sharon, because I don't, again, want to spoil anything. But I love the fact of, of being reminded that the things people do, um, they do to show us, you know, what is possible for one, that definitely was true for James Henry, but also that, that you can have better. You can have better um, than what than what is in front of you. And I think that is one of the big things that comes across in this book is that not only, of course, knowing that you can have better, but even wanting better for yourself. What do you hope, especially since where this book is written with a younger audience in mind primarily, what do you hope they realize about that? As they kind of look at how James Henry's story begins and how it ends about realizing what they deserve and what they can have. You know that nothing is really off limits to you, not in terms of your imagination, not in terms of your dreams, and really in terms of what is tangible if you if you set the course and keep going, right? Um, James Henry had all the brains and, and, and all the imagination in the world, and when he went on that journey, you could see some of that playing out. He had to find his voice again. He had to learn yeah. to trust himself and trust people around him again because he really didn't trust people after a while. And he had to realize that there were some things inside of him that really couldn't even be expressed or shown as long as he was stuck in the house. As long as he was staying still and wouldn't move those things that were in him that not only benefited him but benefited the people around him couldn't be expressed. They couldn't be materialized. Um, And you get to see, oh, my God, this boy is quite the leader, isn't he? Um, and, uh, and you know, I, you know, I have a couple of quirky characters in there because I always say that I'm a bit quirky and I, I, um, I, I have a thing for sort of what we might call the underdog, that person that we think, oh, they're to this, they're to this, they're, they may not make it. Maybe they weren't built for it. And I think, um, that he was and that you can have better. His sister wanted better and different. His mother believed that you could have better, right? Um, and that a lot of it was within your grasp. It didn't mean that there weren't obstacles around you, but for the mother, for the father, who I love, by the way, you haven't mentioned dad. Yeah. I love the father. I love the letter. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, but, but you, it was, it's within your grasp. It doesn't always feel like it because there's so many challenges, especially for young people today, right? They're facing right. so many things. It's easy to believe that I'm just going to stop right here on the road and forget about it. And I feel that way these days. They're, they're tough days even for adults, but I'm hoping kids will read it and feel like, okay, well, maybe I can, you know, keep going a little longer. Yeah. Shoot for the and stars. I think higher. that's it. Yeah. 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 The, and, yeah, that that whole idea of, you know, of being able to – you know, to, to, to shoot for the stars and to keep going. I think that is that is the big thing. And and I think for so many people, that is uh, something that people can relate to. You mentioned Dad. One of the things that stands out to me about Dad was, of course, you know, being able to um, to show, you know, the, the rock where uh, where Mom's initials were. Uh, you know, and and I think you know that that is one of the things that people, of course, can relate to those memories of, you know, where you know where we where I proposed, you know, and these things that we can be able to hold on to, that are so important that sometimes we don't always take the time to think about, you know, we don't think about those things, 
but definitely knowing that they have importance for sure. Sharon, this was a great, another great conversation with you. Again, everyone, Sharon G. Flake has been our guest. Once in a Blue Moon is the brand new book. You guys can get it, of course, through our friends at Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. If your local bookstore does not have it, you can ask them. I know they'll be more than happy to be able to order it for you. Sharon, I appreciate you coming back by. How can our audience stay connected with you? You know what? You can reach me at SharonGFlake.com. That anything you write to me there ends up in my email, and I'm I'm checking things every day, all day long. So you're very likely to hear from me right away. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok, so you can find me in those spaces. Gotcha. And threads. Oh, of course. Hey, we can't forget threads. <laughs> I'm enjoying threads myself uh, as well. <laughs> so so. Definitely. Well, Sharon, again, congratulations to you. Thank you again for the time and looking forward to speak with you again. Great. Thank you always. You're amazing. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. I appreciate you. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webster. As always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Well, let's go make today amazing. Take care.